And welcome to And Then We Fought a Dragon. And Then We Fought a Dragon. We're back and excited to do episode three of Campaign Two. Um, I'm Desiree. I'm Becky. And yeah, this is this is our little breakdown of all the things that Becky gets up to in D&D. So uh, I'll just kind of go through my uh, and what happened last week. Yeah. And then Becky will do a recap of what happened this week. And then I'll do a short play by play of the things that stood out the most. And we'll discuss it. Yeah, Yeah. a summary. Um, (laughs) So yeah, pretty excited. And let's just get into it. Yes. So last week on, I feel like more happened, but also Mm -hmm. less happened. I don't know. It's weird to think that we're only on uh, like the third installment. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But this is what happened. There was a sad elven princess. Yeah. Um, yes. I feel like some details that are so important. I'm like, it's fine. We don't need to talk about it. We'll just move past that. <laughs> um, a, a job offer. Mm-hmm. There was some uh, conversation of gonorrhea at the library. <laughs> uh, boat time. Lots of intrigue there. Yeah, that houseboat. Um, you're on your way to get some things uh-huh. and hopefully go to the dinosaurs and level <laughs> up. Yep. Go well, hopefully not eaten by dinosaurs. The level up happened though. That'll help us. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where we're at. And let's yeah. find out what happened this week. Yes. It does feel very much like we've done, I suppose, cause this, this campaign only happens every two weeks. So it feels yeah. like a lot more has happened or a lot more sessions have happened while we've been doing this than actually have yeah but this week sorry not to interrupt how long was this session that's a that's a uh, difference a big difference from your other campaign these sessions are typically longer started at one i believe and i think ended before seven i want to say so five or six hours i guess a long time (laughs) It was all good. We ordered in best food for lunch. It was great. Sounds like fun. Okay, let's find out what happened. Let's do it. Yeah, so it was the the morning after having told Cassandra all the stuff that we found on the houseboat. And uh, again, she had told us she'd pay us in some special things that she's going to obtain best. So we're meeting her this afternoon in game to get our special things as payment. But we got some time to fill. In the meantime, it's just the morning. And as we're having our breakfast, Viper gets this great idea that he could use his familiar, which so far has always taken the form of Raven, but he can make it take basically any form he wants. There's some cost associated with the spell, but he gets this idea that he could turn it into an ant. And then that box that we got from Salbane, oh, the one right. with the lock with the cloud kill spell on it. Yeah. yeah. The death one. box. The I death box. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I could get my aunt to go inside it and like examine the, mechani- the mechanisms of the lock. And then it could tell me how to make a key to break into the lock. And he has this whole idea. And so he's, he's like pitching it to the DM basically. 
And our DM is like, I mean, you could try, but he's like discouraging it really yeah. much. Because uh, it's a pretty, pretty high level lot going on here. And we don't really want to die. So that idea was put on hold for the moment. We didn't try the ant in the lock. And so we're all still alive, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> but then we decided to focus, you know, on the, on the issue at hand, which is we want to find out if Selbane and the Price daughter, who he was trying to find when he went missing, are still in Havenport or if they're already taken by the auntie, by the slavers, and headed towards the southern continent where the dinosaurs are. Yeah. Yeah. Because last time you, you guys, there's like an equal chance of both, right? It could sort be of seemed potentially. Yeah, we didn't really know. So we were trying to like brainstorm. Not all of us are super familiar with Havenport, with the city that we're in. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to try and figure out if we knew where the auntie might hang out. Like if they've, they've got a base somewhere. And kind of putting all our ideas together, we figured that they don't likely have an actual consistent stronghold in the city. Mm-hmm. They likely more come take as many people as they can manage to kidnap, store them somewhere in the meantime, get them on the boat and take them away. Because slaving doesn't really happen in Havingport. It's very much the other continent. Yeah. So having the slaves here long term wouldn't make them any money, basically. Um, Makes sense. And- and then the Price daughter was taken from a tar house that was near the broken keg. And we do know where the broken keg was. So maybe if we go there, we can find the tar house kind of thing. So that's the plan we decide to go with. We're going to go down to the broken keg and just like scout the area to see if we can find a tar house, which is basically like a crack den. Like it's where people go to, to shoot up or however you do tar. And yeah. So there's an addictions element here that you're considering, but I guess it's helpful, not helpful, but (laughs) you know, you can, there's more places to look and try to find where people could be because of (laughs) their habits. Yeah. And if they're taking people from like where vulnerable people tend to be, perhaps we can find them from going to that area. So we head down to the broken keg, start looking around, see what we can find. And there's quite a few abandoned houses around there that are looking pretty, pretty derelict, really. Um, and one old manor in particular stands out because it, it seems to, while still derelict, have been protected against the weather a little bit. Some of the windows are boarded up. There's fabric across some of the windows. And Viper notices and points out to the rest of us that someone is entering the house with a curved blade on their back. Which is a blade typically carried by the auntie. It's not very common in this area. So it seems like that might be a a auntie there, which Mm -hmm. would be convenient timing, I suppose. And so Viper decides to send Silas in his raven form to to get a little closer and peek in some windows just so we kind of know what we're potentially walking into. And he goes to one of the second floor windows and it's boarded up, but he can kind of see through the cracks a little and Viper can see through his familiar's eyes. So he knows what's going on and hear what he's hearing. And he does hear two individuals speaking Draconic with Yanti accents. And Draconic is the native language of the Yanti. So there's at least two Yanti, presumably, upstairs. And then Silas moves to the downstairs window, which is broken, but not boarded up. And there's a a really rundown kitchen in there. And so he kind of goes to walk a little bit in 
to look a little bit. And on the floor, there's some, they're called pittens. I don't know if you know what they were. I don't. It, it's like an anchor driven into the floor with a ring so that bonds can be tied to it kind of thing. There's a few of those on the floor around in this room. And as he... Question, sorry. Yes. I'm just, I, I was going to let it go, but I'm hung up on the <laughs> language thing. Is he, yeah. like, knowledgeable in languages, or he just knows that one because of... Viper's from the area, right? So yeah. he, I mean, he does speak Draconic. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it was shared with us what they were talking about, but he does speak Draconic, and he'd recognize the accent and stuff having been from the southern continent where the auntie typically are from. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Not There's a- lots of languages in d and It's, it's <laughs> fun. I think that's why, because I'm not that you would ever really be able to keep track of, like, everything if yeah. it's not necessary, but I just wanted to know, like, is this going to potentially come up again, or did you already right. mention that he's good at languages and I had forgotten? Yeah. So. I think okay. all of us speak several languages. Draconic, I would think, for, like, general people would be a little rarer to speak, at least in the area of the world that we're in. But yeah, Viper comes from the world where it's more common. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. so. You... So Silas is trying to go into the kitchen yeah. through the open window. And one of his little bird claws catches on some fabric that's hanging off the window and knocks a nail to the floor. And there's movement happening. Clearly, this has been heard. So Viper pulls him out. Silas calls and flies away. Kind of idea. And uh, now we're like, okay, well, I think we want to go in. I feel like we know we have enough information. There's at least three people in there. And we got to figure out what our approach is going to be for getting in. So, like, do we go knock on the door and be like, um, when tar, please, and see how that works? <laughs> or do we try and sneak in and take them by surprise? Yeah. Uh, someone suggested that I, Brenna, as a changeling, could change to look like a Yanti, and the others could all pretend to be my slaves, and I could just be bringing in this hall of slaves that I found. I didn't like that idea, because I don't speak either of the native languages <laughs> of the Yanti, and they would speak common, basically everybody speaks common, but it would be a little suspicious for a Yanti not to understand draconic, so I was like, ah, no, I don't want to do that one. This seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah. So we landed on the fourth plan, which uh, was just barge straight in and start questioning. <laughs> See if we could get information on where Sylvain and the Price Girl are, if we'd be able to buy them back, if they're gone already. And yeah, we, uh, we decided to go ahead with that, with Viper leading, because he does speak Draconic, so he could kind of start us off there with a little communication and then Sumi who's our fighter a bit of muscle backing him up and Nathaniel was next who speaks abyssal which I can't remember if in character or not we know that's a language that the aunties speak but they do they also speak abyssal it's essentially their their latin their very formal formal language for rituals and things And I was bringing up the rear. So from my perspective, Viper enters this presumed tar house and there's sounds of surprise from inside and a bit of mild disturbance. And then Sumi is going, whoa, we're just here to talk. And then fighting breaks out. Uh, So by the time I get into the room, which as a decrepit house is already full of just general decay and broken furniture and things. Now there's three humanoid looking Yanti 
with their weapons drawn, engaging in a fight with the others, and three more snaky-looking Yanti coming from around the corner uh-uh. who have humanoid bodies and snake heads. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so a lot happening already. And I tried to cast one of my uh, higher level spells at this stage, which is Phantasmal Force on one of the humanoid Yantis, which creates, or ideally creates an illusion in the mind of the individual you target that only they can see and they can take psychic damage from this image. And so I tried to cast that on one of them in the form of one of the city guards, like a big Vulcan guard to kind of intimidate them. We've brought the law presence here. And the spell doesn't land. It doesn't click in. They seem kind of slippery with spells. Like when you attack someone with a weapon, you roll a d20 and have to beat their armor class to hit it. So some spells you do that as well. You roll a spell attack and have to beat their AC to hit them. Some spells have what's called a spell save, which means they have to beat your standing number of something. And if they roll higher, it doesn't affect them. They save from it. Okay. And it seems this spell relies on intelligence numbers. It seems they're quite intelligent and potentially have some advantage or resistances to intelligence-related spells, mm. which Good to might know not now. work in our favor. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been nice if someone was like, oh, by the way, yeah. pretty smart does. Pretty smart, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that. Um, so the, the physical hits are working really well, though, generally. Everyone's mm-hmm. fighting and stabbing and hitting. There's a lot happening. Another snaky Yanti enters now. And this one's a more humanoid. But instead of arms, he just has snakes at his arms and uh. they're fighting and releasing poison into people which is kind of freaky so now we're fighting seven different Yanti there's uh. only six of us it's funny that, like the description you're giving I'm yeah. still completely stuck on that little salamander thing <laughs> with the little tiny arms it's just so. a little inch long running around well I mean <laughs> The, in real life, those salamanders are like six inches long. Oh, they yeah. just have size. Yeah. It's like their T-Rex arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the visual I have, despite everything. Love it. The detail you're giving. <laughs> that is not, that's not the story. Yeah, picture that in six feet as opposed to six inches. Yeah, it's a little bit closer there. I will. Okay, continue. Yeah. So snake hands so, man. Yeah. Snake? snake hands man is in. Snake, yeah. But he's also a snake. No, he's a more humanoid body. He's still got like slit eyes. The uh, the human-like ones look fairly humanish and kind of their skin's a little scaly in places. Yeah. And then their eyes and noses are kind of a little more slitted. And then there's a kind of a a range of I don't like TV. that. Yeah, I it's more I... snake like reptilian aspects to them. I don't really is it like it's just what you are is what you are or or like I guess I mean the closer you are to literal snake with arms the better basically the the desired form for a yanti is to be the ultimate snake being which is kind of gross this uh this racial group yeah like it has some issues it needs to confront but yeah there's like some inner racial issues here because (laughs) the ones that look more human are a little looked down upon and they basically like their only worth is that they can disguise themselves as 
humans more and maybe grab more slaves because of that. And that's how they earn their place, essentially. I feel like at some point someone's going to have to have a discussion with yeah. you amongst each other, but that is not what's <laughs> happening right now. So you're battling. We are battling. We're hitting and striking. And I tried one of my new spells, my Chaos Bolt spell, mm-hmm. which did hit, but one of the features of it is if the dice land the right way, it jumps to a second person. It didn't jump to a second person, but it still did some good, pretty good damage on mm-hmm. that first one. And then Viper, we're in a room and there's kind of a doorway through to a second room further into the house. And he gets through this doorway and onto the other side and the the wall is cracked. We can kind of see through it generally into that room. And as he gets through, he's he's surrounded pretty quickly by three of the auntie that were more on that side of the wall. Yeah. And we can kind of see him doing his best fighting on his own over there. And Glenn has these little healing bots. He's an artificer, so he's an inventor with magic, basically. And he has these little, like, the, the picture we have of them is they're little blobs and, like, little spider legs, and they're little metal, and they're we call them nurse bots. They just release healing every round, which is excellent. It, yeah. it really has saved us a few times. So he puts out one of his bots on Mako's shoulder, and anyone in a certain range now of the bot and Mako will get healing on Glenn's turn. But it doesn't reach Viper, which is unfortunate, because he's surrounded by three people, and one of them stabs him, knocking him unconscious. And it wasn't a lethal stab. They do seem to be kind of pulling their punches a bit, because, like, we're worth more alive, I guess, as them being slavers. And so knock him out and start manacling him. So they can like put him to the side, basically, and grab him later. And I decided to try another of my new spells. I, I went invisible and I had this idea that I was going to sneak back. But again, there's seven Yanti in here. So to sneak past them without them hitting me, invisible seems like a benefit. And I was going to try and like squirm through one of the larger holes in the wall because the yeah. doorway is very much blocked by Yanti and the rest of my party. And if I get close enough to Viper squirming through the wall, I can cast a healing spell on him and bring him back to consciousness. But I have to be in touching distance to be able to do the spell that I wanted to. So I make an athletics check roll to run and squirm through this hole in the wall. And in in true Brenna fashion, I did not roll well. So it's a good thing I was invisible because I ran straight into that wall and knocked the wind out of myself a little bit. Did not get through the hole, needless to say. Oh no. Yeah, so that that was unfortunate. Viper is still very much unconscious. Um, But then one of those Yanti that was fighting with him, amusingly, decided to try the same thing I did, but from the other side of the wall. And also rolled poorly into the backyard <laughs> into the wall. That's really great. Yeah, so that was nice. As I'm like catching my breath, there's another whoop right against the wall. Yeah, but uh, not going down himself. Nathaniel took things into his own hands. He has a, a useful spell called Misty Step, which means he can like teleport himself, I think, 30 feet ahead and reappear over there, essentially. So he Misty Stepped over to Viper and just slaps him across the face and says, this is no time for a cat nap while giving him a healing spell. <laughs> so now Viper's conscious again. 
the comedy in this um, campaign is definitely yeah. <laughs> everyone's everyone's into it. Yeah, we've got some. What's it called? Like vaudeville, the the old fashioned silent comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Viper is now conscious. He's trying to get out of his manacles. He is our rogue, though, so he's a, he's in a good place. He'll be able to get himself out eventually. And then I, I cast a firebolt on one of the Yanti, which does break my invisibility spell, which was sad. That was a waste of a second level spell. But I feel like it was, it was a good idea if it had worked. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. It was yeah. a good idea if it would have worked. Yeah, yeah. But by this point, we have killed a couple or a, a few of these Yanti. Um, but in this moment, Mako now is knocked unconscious. And I believe he was bit by snake hands which like when snakes are injecting poison they can't pull their punches so it's a lethal hit which leaves him rolling what's known as death save rolls Mm -hmm. and death saves are best out of five rolls so you roll on your turn in the initiative when you're unconscious and if you roll over 10 you've succeeded and if you roll under 10 you failed Mm-hmm. So three successes, you're stabilized. You're not conscious yet, but you're no longer actively dying. And three fails, you're dead. Dead, dead. And you can also automatically fail death saves or even automatically fail all three of them if you're hit hard enough while you're unconscious. And normally each player would roll their own death saves and just tell everyone what the number was. But our group has decided to have the DM roll them and not tell us what they are. So that there's just some added pressure to to get people healed up if they fall unconscious. Why? We don't know if our characters are about to die. I mean, the others, I'm a little nervous by this idea. I don't like being out of control with my potential death. But um, literally, that was my thought. I'm like, that is too much not being in control. Right? And it's not like it makes a difference. It's all luck of the roll, no matter who's rolling it. But you feel like you have a bit of control when you roll it yourself. So that's a little nerve-wracking. But, and I mean, yeah, even the rolling it yourself, but Mm. like not knowing is a big part of it too. Totally. Not knowing if you've like had two fails and are now on your third, potentially about to die. So yeah, it definitely is intended to really put the pressure on. There's no time to manifest a different option. Yeah, you just have to heal people as quickly as possible. So knowing all that, with Mako now being unconscious, as one of our spellcasters, I was like, okay, I gotta heal him, because the nurse bot can't heal us when we're unconscious, unfortunately. That would be pretty cool. It can just give us temporary hit points above what we have so i managed to cast a healing spell on him bring him consciousness again and by this point there's only two of the seven yanti left and okay. it's one of the that's good at least yeah yeah sumi and mako and nathaniel people with some some fighting juice were doing some good punches in the meantime there and uh it's one of the humanoid ones and the one one of the snake head ones okay and they begin running away further into the house like they realize they're kind of in trouble at this point and we also don't want to kill them all because we have questions we do still want some answers so i pulled out my rapier and just like knocked one out with the hilt while he was running away and then viper manacled him and sumi and mako managed to knock the other one out chasing him through the house a little bit so now we have two unconscious yanti that we can question and there we noticed all the yanti have manacles on their belts so we collected all the manacles and keys 
and locked up the unconscious ones real good. They had hands, they had feet, and then they had hands to feet. Hogtied. They were like hogtied. <laughs> They're not getting away. <laughs> and in the, in the meantime, Nathaniel was kind of checking the floor around the house because there's these little pittens, these braces everywhere. There's like 30 something of them. And they all have um, various bodily fluids now, kind of around them. That's all I'll say. Uh, and Nathaniel surmises they're about three to five days old. So that kind of gives us a gauge for how when he know? was last used. Because he rolled real good on like a survival check or something. <laughs> he could tell how dried it is. <laughs> who, who has that skill? Who, Magic who users. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, useful, I guess. Yeah. But still. Yeah. <laughs> And in the meantime, we've checked the pockets of the other dead Yanti because I was wondering if maybe they have like, I don't know, paperwork or something being like, yeah. okay, we're all going to meet at this location or this is the boat or this is your mission kind of thing. And they don't. None of them had any paperwork. They did all have money on them, which was great. So we added all that to the party fund that we have that we all share. And they also each had two vials of poison on them which we decide to collect. Never know when you might want some poison, I guess. You leave behind poison. Oh, no. take yeah. it with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll dispose of it if we don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of collected up all the weapons that were around the house and that they'd been using to either use ourselves or sell off later or something like that. And then Viper, now that the unconscious two were all manacled, suggested that we put them together in one of the smaller rooms and then wake them up, give them enough healing that they're conscious. And maybe they'll talk to each other in Draconic without knowing that Viper speaks Draconic and give something away. We can yeah. eavesdrop and pick something up. So we decide to go ahead with that and get them into the room. Mako gives one of them a single hit point with his healing, moves to go do the same to the other, and kind of notices out of the corner of his eye, just a second too late, that the original one has gone pale and his veins have gone all black. And he's like real dead, with no sign of an injury, no blood, nothing. He just dead. And so Mako quickly knocks the other one out before he can fully wake up, because clearly there's some kind of kill switch that they have. So we need to find the kill switch. And, yeah. These guys are just so creepy. <laughs> They're very creepy. So we search them because we're like, I don't know, maybe it's like a tooth they knock out and bite. And there's a pill I literally was there. thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> I literally was like, oh yeah, the tooth trick. <laughs> yeah. So we check for the tooth trick. Don't find any suspicious teeth. We're, we're just checking if they've got anything weird. We can't find anything. And Viper and I both had the charm person spell prepared. And so we decide we'll have Mako wake up our single alive Yanti now, and then we'll both cast it at the same time, because surely he can't resist both of us, right? <laughs> and then we'll have him charmed for the next hour, I think it is, and ask him some questions. So Mako wakes him up, we both cast our spells, and he resists us both. Mm. which wasn't great and starts frantically like resisting in his bonds and Mako kind of grabs his mouth to hold it open in case there's a tooth we miss so he can't bite down on it and realizes that the guy's moving his hands trying to like grab something I guess so he stomps on the guy's hands to try to prevent him from casting a spell or doing whatever he's trying to do and realizes he's trying to fiddle with a ring that he's wearing mm. so Mako knocks him out again 
<laughs> and this is the stuff of nightmares. I don't know why, but this is like <laughs> it is too. I <laughs> only gonna Continue. get worse. <laughs> so yeah, we pull off this ring, put it out of out of reach of him. So when we wake him up again, he can't get it. And Viper now has a remaining spell slot. I've used all mine. So he decides he's going to try the charm person a third time, just in case. So Michael gives the guy one hit point again. Viper casts, and the Yanti resists him again. But he starts scrabbling again and realizes his ring is gone, which seems to be the kill switch, and kind of gives up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Mako and Viper are now trying to convince him to talk, ex- telling him why we're here, who we're looking for, tell us where they are, kind of idea. And the Yanti is kind of showing visual signs that he probably knows who we're talking about, or at least has information he doesn't want to give us, but he's not, he's not talking. He's just kind of not making eye contact and looking at his dead friend across the room <laughs> like all, well maybe not friends that might be a stretch i don't know if they have friends. colleague but his colleague yeah there we go his dead colleague across the room and isn't saying anything so i was kind of in the doorway i i pop my head around the door and say you know we'll we'll pay to get them back like we're willing to buy them back and as our go-between you should get a cut of that Mm-hmm. And he's not interested. He says that we're unclean and he doesn't want to deal with us. So I pop back out of the door, turn to look exactly like him, and then pop back around the door and go, how's this? And he just calls me a witch. So I think he meant that as an insult, which is rude. <laughs> they, they're clever, I think. Like, yeah. they're smart, obviously, but they're, yeah. they're clever. Yeah, that would be part of... With, there's a... There's an intelligence number and a wisdom number when you create a character. And I think intelligence would definitely correlate with being clever as mm-hmm. opposed to wisdom correlating with cleverness. So that's uh, unfortunate for us in this situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I came inside the room as him anyway, dressed in Brenna's clothes still just for kicks and just sat down across from him and just started like silently making eye contact and staring at him without saying anything just to like creep him out basically and he did get a little creeped out he wouldn't make eye contact with me but he also wouldn't answer any of our questions which was getting frustrating because we wanted information and in the meantime while we're three in this room Glenn identifies this ring that we found and all of the Yanti are wearing one and it seems to be a band of loyalty, which has a little button push to make a prick and inject poison to do an insta-kill. So it, it, it's the insta-kill switch. So we kept all those. I don't think we're going to wear or use them because I, feel like I don't think I want that. No, it and maybe it is like takes more than just a little bump. Yeah. But what if it just goes off? Right? I was thinking that too. It seems a little risky. You're yeah. holding something a little too tight. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to wear the bands of loyalty, but that's how they were killing themselves. So at least now we know to look out for suspicious jewelry, I suppose. Yeah. And Sumi enters the uh, the room where the Yanti is because she's getting a little impatient. She also tries to convince this guy to talk to us. He just is insistent that he wants to be unbound he doesn't want to talk in bondages so we unbind him 
and uh because he's he's not armed there's a lot of us he's definitely very much outnumbered so we unbind him and he recognizes Mako as being a paladin a religious man and kind of points out to Mako says I want you to swear to your god that you and your group are not gonna hurt me you're gonna let me go if I give you information and Mako's not really comfortable doing that because we don't know what information this guy's gonna give us yeah this guy's not a good guy we don't really want to let him go and so he he turns it down because that's that's not on the table basically and Nathaniel is also getting a bit frustrated so he just like slams this guy up against the wall and is threatening him to talk and the the auntie refuses to talk so he just slits his throat He's just like, okay, we're not, we're not getting anywhere here. We're just going to kill him. And as he does that, he like absorbs the guy's life force or something, leaving the Yanti as like this dried husk of himself. Mm-hmm. But I said, Nathaniel, <laughs> what was that about? Sumi was real uncomfortable with that. She was kind of trying to get some information about what just happened there. <laughs> I think like... So many things would have been my limit prior to that, but yeah. I actually would have been like, hey guys, I'm done. Uh, I'll Bye. see you later. <laughs> Y'all are too weird to travel with. <laughs> Whatever's happening right now, I don't want to be part of it. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> I mean, he promised not to do it to any of us, so I guess that's good. Once again, we left it at okay they didn't but question just, me they don't question Nathaniel <laughs> but just knowing the that that ability yeah. is I mean is this isn't pleasant. the first time he's done it he did it to one of the harpies as well when we were initially hunting the harpies but I guess not all of us were really necessarily paying attention to him in the moment in, in this <laughs> moment he was very obviously like the focus of attention being with the only bad guy in the room but it's like the you know you kind of kind of saw it at the corner of your yeah. eye the first time and then the second time you're like oh it was real I'm really disturbed <laughs> yeah. I tried so hard to forget that <laughs> yeah yeah very much so a third time I think we're gonna question it a little a little more than we have probably we don't we don't have time right now but I don't yeah. like that and it's weird anyways yeah. no <laughs> but now all of our bad guys are dead. And okay. we looted them. So based on the information Nathaniel found around the pittance, it seems safe to assume the majority of the slavers have left Havenport with those that they've kidnapped and are now on their way back to the southern continent where the slaving tends to happen with a couple days head start on us, mm-hmm. basically. So our plan from this point is like, okay, we're we're going to the dinosaur continent. So it's our last option. But it's getting later in the day now. And we have to meet Cassandra to get our things. So yeah. we start heading back to the Cinnamon Pearl. And as we pass the market on our way, there's some commotion going on. There's some some yelling. Someone seems to be pleading for their son not to be taken. And as we get closer, there's a group of five or six warforged. They're armed and armored and seemingly being led by a half-elf woman with dark hair and a very cold demeanor. And warforged are creatures that are made of like a combination of wood and metal. And they look kind of like humanoids, but it's generally assumed that they're constructs with free will. Basically think like the clones in Star Wars. They're created to be soldiers. This 
I don't know. <laughs> Every single thing. Like creature, whatever yeah. you want to call them. It's like a fever dream. <laughs> what the heck is happening? d d But, I mean, reflecting on the other campaign that we were <laughs> also going through, that one doesn't give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> and, like, it feels like a, a, like, it's, like, so close to being, like, yeah, I get that. And yeah. it's, like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> this one, I think, will, will take some time. Because I didn't... I was missing a lot of the cues, I think, in this situation. I'm sure this was talked about in the little history of the world that we were given before we actually started the campaign itself. But I foolishly didn't take notes during the little pre-session session. And so I think (laughs) I've forgotten certain aspects of the history. So I personally don't necessarily fully understand the importance of these characters in this situation that we're walking into. But I'm sure it will become clear as things go. But um, yeah, there's these, these Warforged in the market being led by a half-elf woman who is dragging like a young boy, like a seven or eight-year-old boy behind her as seemingly his parents beg her not to take him and to leave him with them. He's their only son. And she kind of roughly hands him off to one of the Warforged and tells them they've been compensated for their son and that by the right of Arcanium, which is the mage college and the wizards, She's allowed to take him and they will train him the way he's supposed to be trained. This whole world hates kids too. Apparently. Everyone just hates kids. I mean, this was the world with the the FM kids. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I remember. So. Yeah. Rough time for the kiddies. (laughs) And uh, the father hurls a bag of coin at this lady. He's like, we don't want your money. We want our son. And by now a city guard is approaching because there's all this commotion and he seems to try to intervene on the parents' behalf to try and convince this lady, maybe don't take this one kind of thing. And she tells him to talk to the city leadership if you want policy to change. This is the way things are. It's her right to take him. It's happening. And then she and three of the Warforged with the little boy step into a teleport circle and disappear just leaving and the rest of the guards and warforged are left to kind of disperse the crowds that are there and we're among that crowd being dispersed now and so we just kind of left without really asking any questions about that situation i think i was a little caught by surprise with it and so i didn't collect my thoughts in time enough to to ask some questions whether in character or out of character, but I feel like we will be returning to that situation and learning more about it. I hope so. I hope so. It seems dark. Yeah, everything, everything is very dark here. But but violently kidnapping children. In plain sight. In plain sight seems pretty dark. So I'm assuming that will come up probably sooner rather than later. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, we carry on to the cinnamon pearl and Cassandra's already waiting for us with our our things that we get as payment for the information that we found and I'm not going to explain what the other party members items do until they use them in game I Mm -hmm. think that'll be more fun but I'll tell you what they got Uh, Nathaniel got a rod of the pact keeper whatever that is Glenn got an all-purpose tool 
seems <laughs> seems so normal in my mind, but he was really excited about it. Um, Subi receives bracers of defense. Mm-hmm. I received elven chainmail, which Ooh. is a medium level armor, uh, a, a level up from what I was at, possibly even two levels up. I think from what I was at, that's super light to wear. Basically, think like. Bilbo and Frodo's mithril armor in Lord mm. of the Rings. Super, super fancy, super strong armor, which has <laughs> upped my armor class, which is great because I was very squishy before. So I've gone <laughs> 11 to 14, which is good. Phew. Yeah. And uh, Mako receives a small box, which is apparently a folding boat. Ooh. So that will be fun when we use it, I suppose. And Viper receives an elven cloak. And now we all have our, our cool items to play with. And Cassandra asks us if we're, we're planning on going ahead with trying to find Sylvain and the Price Daughter if she needs to arrange a ship for us, etc. And we figure, yeah, it would be easier for her to arrange it than us to find our own ship out there. So she's going to arrange a ship for us, which will be 100 gold coins for us all together to go. But if we do get Sylvain and the Price Daughter, when we come back, we'll be reimbursed for it. And then the travel will have been free. So that's kind of kind of handy. Mm-hmm. She won't give us money ahead of time to buy Selbane and the price started back, though. She doesn't trust us with that much money in advance. She'll reimburse us if we bring a receipt, but she won't give it to us ahead. Hmm. So we got to kind of figure that one out. When yeah, that could be tricky. It. I mean, maybe we just won't be buying them back. Maybe we'll just be... Busting them out, you know? I guess it adds some pressure, right? You gotta really figure it out. Yeah, gotta puzzle our way through that one. So we have until the next morning when the ship will be. Glenn and Viper wanted to do a little bit of shopping, so we kind of meandered our way through the town a little bit where Glenn sold some of those weapons that we took from the tar house to add to our party funds. Give us a little more cushion room with our money which seems like we're gonna need it yeah (laughs) and then we went to the local magic shop called the golden lamp and the lady running it had blue hair that was like flowing like you know disney mermaids how their hair flows in the water in a a way no hair flows in the water like Mm -hmm. her hair is moving like that and her like lava girl do we yeah yeah like lava girl but blue blue. (laughs) and i'm kind of speculating she might be a water genasi but I'm not sure about that. Could be kind of fun. But she is is selling us the things. She kind of laughs at our original budget because magic items are really expensive. But we leave having bought a basic healing potion and a single greater healing potion together for 213 gold. They're very expensive. Very but they much. seem like we should have them if we're going to a continent of dinosaurs and very physically aggressive beings. Yes. <sighs> so that was sad to part with that much money, but we got some healing potions now, which I'm sure we'll appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> then we just headed back to the cinema crawl for the night. And in the morning, we'll be catching a ship to sail the sea. Should be fun. And that's where we ended that. Wow. Yeah. That was- intense it was i feel unsettled (laughs) good excellent i'm sure our dm will be thrilled (laughs) uh and uncomfortable and (laughs) some of the visuals i've i hope i can sleep at night yeah you get two more weeks till there's some closure for (laughs) no probably not closure let's be honest (laughs) i feel like it's gonna take a while but 
Yeah, no, that was that was exciting. Yeah, yeah, the fight. I I think we. I mean, it probably was gonna happen either way, but I think we we're a little underprepared for it. <laughs> you guys just haven't gotten like. I don't know. You're you're not fully meshed yet. Not as quite. Yeah, it's still early days, really. Yeah. We've only been together a week or two in world, so getting getting used to each other and what each other can do. I feel like you're also getting used to yourselves. Everyone's yes. supposed oh, to be nice. like struggling with yeah. themselves. And I mean, that's one of the interesting points with this campaign versus my previous my campaign one is that one we'd already been playing for like four months when we started this podcast. Yeah. So we were pretty established in our characters by the time we're doing these episodes. And in that point of the story, this one, we're only like a month, two months, maybe tops in. And so we are very much still kind of settling into our characters and what abilities they have and how they respond to situations. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, it's a little messier in the best yeah. way possible. So no, I liked it. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. I wish we'd gotten some information out of that, Yanti. I was racking my brain for different ways to be asking for it. Even just like one word. Right. Like just like, like as he shriveled. Yeah. Like something. I know. That was I a mean, little bit We probably didn't need that much information off of him because like, we're pretty confident at this point they're going to be in the other continent. But it still would have been nice to have some some confirmation, confirmation, you know? Re- reassurance is yeah. never a negative, I feel. Yeah, we're taking Even... a three-week journey across the ocean. We don't want to waste that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I guess we will do a little yeah. breakdown reflection of the things <laughs> that stood out. I had a harder time because... Mm-hmm. Like, usually I can pinpoint one or two words, a yeah. short statement, but this was like, I don't know how this will be interpreted because yeah. this And fight situations are harder to do that with yeah. well, very much, yeah. I kind of, well, I kind of skipped the fighting with <laughs> the details of Fair. it. Yeah. Obviously it happened, but yeah. okay. So we start off with um, the, what I'm going to forever think of as acoustic ant-man <laughs> that's what it feels like love it because <laughs> it's like it's the stripped back version <laughs> the the simplest form i love it it's um, <laughs> and then you do a tar house scouting mm-hmm. um then there's a snake fight yeah that's essentially what it was, right? I a really lot. wish we could have talked to them before it just, like, went fight. Like, it went south so quickly. Yeah. it Well, it really did. Um, then there was, well, this is kind of a small part of what it mm-hmm. happened in the fight. But man down, invisible knockdown, <laughs> knock out, sorry. Man down, invisible knockout, man really down. <laughs> Hogtied and looted. A tough interrogation and death rings. Yeah. Succinct summary. I like that. That's what happened in the snake (laughs) fight. Um, The, yeah, I mean, the death rings were pretty scary. Yeah. Like the the pittons in the floor? No, no, the the rings they have. Oh, the, yeah, the bands of loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. The literal death rings. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But 
I mean, yeah, to get to that point, it, it was disappointing, not disappointing, but you know, you guys really struggled for your life there to get yeah. through. And then it's just like dead. Yeah. So that was too bad. And then I yeah, mean, was- at least they didn't both just kill themselves. We did. We did try. We got to that stage. So. There was a sneaky shrivel shrivel situation but we don't need to talk about that <laughs> i i feel like we don't need to discuss it because it's gonna happen again so i suspect so we'll keep putting it off if you don't remember nathaniel is a warlock who tend to have kind of dark aspects tied to their patrons typically probably something to do with that we'll find out <laughs> yeah let's let's not overthink it while things yeah. are bright and sunshiny yeah <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Let's head to the market where children are being kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote down the <laughs> I wrote down wood robots F them kids. But yeah. <laughs> but in that context, it's really <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> so we need to explain that. That's yeah, not no, what happened. That, mm. <laughs> That's not what happened. There's just no. wood robots and the kids don't matter. So Yeah. Poor kids. I mean, I guess they value enough that they're they're kidnapping them for their future adult potential to be trained the way they want it to be. But it's still not nice. No, it's sad. Yeah. But no real info. So we'll probably no. get back to that. Yeah. Um, you got, got the things. You were going to get the things and now you yeah. got the things. <laughs> it felt like Narnia style. Yeah. Father <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. I like that. Nice. And then you went on a little shopping spree, got mm-hmm. some supplies, yeah. uh, and now you're going to head out tomorrow. Yeah. Or... Go find some dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. This was... The fights are interesting. Yeah. Because you're, you're kind of holding your breath. Mm-hmm. But then it's over and you're like, it's very tricky for me to figure out like how to retell the fight because I I have been trying to note down literally everybody's move each turn. But then I kind of worry that as someone just listening to it rather than participating in it, that might kind of come across as pretty boring. If it's just like, boom, 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 boom. This is what everybody's doing. It's more the hype of the moment. So it, it is tricky to, tell that and get the full what's happening across but hopefully it's okay (laughs) no I think it's good it's like the things that you share they always have um like repercussion right some obviously everything has a repercussion to Mm -hmm. whatever but like the bigger repercussions yeah effects of what happened so it stands out as important and interesting right if if you were to like oh this happened and it was like did it make that much of yeah. a difference? Well, Good so many bad. turns are like, someone hit someone with a sword. Someone yeah. hit someone with a staff. Like, it, does, it doesn't, it's important in the grand scheme of things, but in a retelling of a fight scene, it's not super thrilling. Yeah, it's much more important in the moment. But, yeah. so, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't like the snake people. I don't like, <laughs> I don't really like a lot of the people in this world yeah. so far. But, I mean, we've mostly been on the creepy side of town for for most of this campaign. (laughs) Yeah, everything's been really, like, skeezy and, like, so I'm glad. I I know where you're heading off isn't Mm -hmm. promising, but 
I'm I'm glad you're going somewhere else. It could be exciting, you know. The the Wild West seems like the wrong world, but it seems more of like an untamed country yeah. or continent as opposed to where we've been, where there's still, you know, danger and whatnot. But this is this is a lot more physical fighting, old school. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess we'll have to see what happens next. Yes. It'll be fun. It will. Yeah. So we roll some dice. Let's roll. We had good luck in our last... Um, yeah. It's time um, for a nat one now, right? Yeah. <laughs> our last episode on campaign one was good, good. Check yeah. that out. Very yeah. exciting. But let's see how it goes today. Who do we want? Green, pink, or purple and teal? I feel like we haven't done green in a little bit. Sure. Let's do green. Okay. Two. That's what I was <laughs> expecting to happen yesterday. The lowest oh. yet. And ironically, the two is right next to the 20. So it was close. But so this is like cigar. Bad vibes, really. That was not good. It's just summing up the whole situation. Just the, the creepy vibes. Yeah. I hope yeah. it's not foreshadowing anything. <laughs> Well, I mean, we don't want to get too superstitious about the dice, though. Many D&D players are pretty superstitious, at least a little stitious. About yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to be, right? You yeah. have to be a little stitious. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it really seems like one is consistently rolling bad or consistently rolling good. You just got to buy into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, disappointing but makes sense so <laughs> next time we're more hopeful i guess yep that's that's why we roll one every time there's bound to be bad ones and good ones mm -hmm. that's our first single digit yeah which i think is pretty good considering how many episodes we've done for so. sure yeah <laughs> well thanks for listening everybody thank yeah. you thank you hope you have a good week we'll be back on wednesday with campaign one and Two weeks from now, we have campaign two again. And going to the dinosaurs. Yay. Yeah. And I mean, like, everything else. But the dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. Goodbye. Bye.